The second lesson is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Here we are going to see another one poured out. This is the Lord's Apostle Paul who was attacked as an apostle or as one who stepped forward as a leader for churches and a missionary to them. He was attacked by those who wanted to discredit him. So in this section, he underscores his method among the Corinthians. And he says, just because I didn't get paid by you for what I do, doesn't mean that what I was doing wasn't worth anything. In fact, I did it free of charge because you weren't ready to support me. You weren't with me yet. So for the sake of the gospel, he was a missionary among them, freely poured out. And this is another thing that exemplifies service, Christian service, and will serve as a basis for the sermon today. Paul says, Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. So the ox that's doing all this work, you should let it enjoy eating along the way. If the missionary is among you sharing the word of God, support him and let him have resources that he needs to be alive in your midst. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. The word of the Lord. My brothers and sisters in Christ, you say these words twice a month. And I'm going to repeat some of them to you just because of the kind of treasure they really are for us. So I'm assuming many of you know these words well, and when I say them, you won't be so surprised. 
In fact, they're probably some of the oldest words you've used because they're a part of a creed. And they go like this. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. I don't know if you have a mental picture yet in your head remembering these words. Maybe I should have told you to make a mental picture before I started. But can you see the one crowned with crowns in those words? Can you see the ones where we demand in this confession of faith that Jesus be known as God from God and light from light, as, as true God? Can you see how awesome Jesus is in that language because we're saying he's God? It is the ultimate, and then the very next line. <laughs> for us and for our salvation, he came down. That's what we say twice a month, maybe 24 times a year, for us and for our salvation. He came down. If, if Jesus is setting a model or an example to be followed, do you see a complete abandonment of everything that he could have said? When I go to earth, if I'm going to bother with it, that when I go, they are going to worship me or I am going to breathe fire. If I'm going to go to earth, I am going to glow and they're going to know it. They will have to stand back and fall on their faces and they will cover themselves in dust and ashes and cry out, God has come! Because that's what I could do. Because I'm God. Oh, and when I am God, they are going to tremble. They are going to be amazed. They think... They think their neighbors are great. They think their heroes are strong. Imagine what I'm going to show them when I show up. God from God and light from light. But what is his culture? What is his way? What is his will and service? He came down. He came down for us and for our salvation. Does it take your breath away? Can you let it take your breath away? Can you let there be in tired, perhaps tired words, hopefully not overused? Go away from me, Satan. This is my Jesus. And I want to rejoice in those simple words I say 24 times a year. He 
came down from heaven for us and for our salvation. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. That's not human flesh. He's glorified now, and he's still not a servant. He's exalted and glorified with a human body, but he'd take on a lowly place. He wasn't walking around looking like some Greek god as he roamed the earth. He was born into a peasant house, a carpenter's son, and he bled and died in the most humiliating and mocked method known to man in the Roman Empire. This he did for us and for our salvation. So when Paul borrows, I say borrows on purpose because he's imitating the gospel. When he borrows language to say, I have become all things to all people to win them, he's following the footsteps of our Savior who came down from heaven for us and for our salvation and made himself nothing that we might have everything. So this is a special kind of tailored love. This is a special kind of intentional marriage where Paul marries himself to the Jew who needs Jesus and he says, I'm going to tailor this love because you're my bride here in this city. My bride is to witness to the Jews here, and if that means that you are gather at the synagogue, I'm going to gather at the synagogue with you. And if that means that you treasure the Old Testament, I'm going to dig into the Old Testament with you. And I'm going to point you to Jesus. I'm going to become and live and be among you to, as far as does not offend the gospel so that you might know the Jesus in your scripture and the God whose dwelling place was with us just as he promised in the tabernacle. And he's going to marry himself in the next town to those who didn't have the law, to those who didn't have the book. And he's not going to insist on kosher, clean foods. He knows that all foods are given by God and alike to him, so he's going to show up in a Gentile crowd and he's going to do Gentile-like things as far as does not offend the word of God and the sake of the gospel. And he's going to become something for them and tailor and fashion his love to them because you're my bride in this town. You're the people looking eye to eye with me so he would meet them where they were at. And when I step foot in Corinth and I meet a new bride to woo and to wed, I am going to do it for the sake of the gospel. And if that means that you aren't ready to sign off that I'm the Lord's apostle and worthy of your support as well as your affection, then fine. I will sweat my tail off as a tent maker while I live among you in Corinth. And that's what he did. Paul had side jobs so he could pay for his own food and pay his own bills while he lived among them, even though he was busy planting the seeds of Jesus in their Corinthian hearts. They were new to Christianity, and he wedded himself to people who were newbies. 
and he embraced to meet them where they're at. I need to do tent making on the side. And I'm not going to send you the bill. Even though somebody who usually plants seeds in the ground should expect to harvest from it, if I'm sharing the gospel with you, I should expect that you who listen and are with me would also support me in that gospel. Do you see? You see what a spirit is at work here? The footsteps that the apostle is following? How different does that feel from the way we operate in the world? How different does that feel even organizationally as a congregation? Are you here to be comfortable? Are you here, as a, I guess you could say we could take worship, which is what we do probably the most together these days, public worship. Are you here for the hymns that ring your bell? And if we don't have those kinds of hymns with that kind of instrumentation, the stuff that really helps me feel at home at church, that then, eh, I don't know if it's for me. Are you here to wet your whistle? Get your tastes satisfied? Or are you here to become something for the sake of the gospel so that anyone who ever praise the Lord, would step foot between those doors, would know they have a family of faith here. Here. Have a home here. Open arms to you here. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you talk, uh, how you talk, how you think. If you come, we want you to feel home. Now, we can't play all the styles of music. <laughs> uh, we can't afford all the things that we could do. We have to make choices. I get that. It's just an example, though. How do you approach your Christian way of life? And the same, same way goes for the way we navigate friendships, the way we, we look to people to round out our, our social and social needs and community belonging, we often look for things that make me feel good instead of becoming something to be a part of every community, we insist on the community becoming something so that I'm comfortable when I'm with you. For my comfort, this is what James and John are saying. What are we gonna get out of this? I see thrones in our future, huh, Jesus? We see thrones in our future. How about your right hand and your left? You know, they're, they're grabbing for their first, what, what they would want to taste in their mouth. This is where the self, selfish nature goes. And the Apostle Paul is showing us that that example that follows Jesus is one that just is, is poured out, that is empty. Like, I'm a blank slate until you come into my world. Isn't that wild? That you would be my culture. Well, that's, that's really the culture of Jesus. It's the culture of the gospel. That there is no first and there is no bottom. That we are all alike dead in sin and disqualified from the kingdom of God if it were not for the name of Jesus. What a sweet name. Who God from God and light from light came down for us and for our salvation. I know you love it. And I love it. And he came down knowing all of the little cravings for 
cultural comforts, cravings for things that would be more like me to fit me instead of, Lord, you mold, you shape, you died for my sins. You died for that self-centered aspect of me. You you died for all of that craving for comfort that I have inside my heart. You knew it and you came for us and for our salvation. You suffered. You poured out your life unto death for my sins. My brothers and sisters, it's such a crown on your head to be a child of God. It is such an awesome thing to confess, the one we believe in, and you should see what God sees when he looks at you. Earl and Courtney were married, hasn't even been a a month for your affirmation of your marriage together here at church. And uh, they didn't wear rags on their wedding day. They dressed up beautifully in clothes. And that's that's fitting. And it's appropriate. Not just culturally in our society, but in the spiritual communication of husband and wife who love each other as Christ loved the church. That Sunday best, that wedding best that was put on was the best of God, reflecting that symbolically, that best of God that clothes us. Can you see what you are in the one who was God from God and light from light for us and for our salvation? Can you see what a treasure you are? What a status you have? I say this because there's this weird, funky narrative when our selfish nature thinks and hears the word service and sacrifice that I'm losing something. Tell me what Jesus lost in giving himself up to death when Isaiah says he will prolong his days and see his offspring. Tell me what a Christian loses by becoming all things to all people. You only lose in the earthly sense. It's fake gold that you lose. Anybody bothered by fake gold, losing fake gold? It's like garbage. It's like losing your trash. It's the things that don't matter. You are a child of God to pour out your life and become all things to all people, to love. Think about who you are. Think about how loved you are. Think about what forgiveness means. Think about the the real dress you wear in the eyes of God. Think about that marriage that has been made in Jesus' name that is yours. And it's all yours in the word of forgiveness. The gown you never take off, that bridal gown that you wear every day in the righteousness of Christ. Think about how you look to him. And that is the treasure you and Paul says this at the very end, that ironically, I, I, I rip that off. He says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings because he knows if he doesn't become all things to all people, is he's like a stick in the mud that says, you need to kind of live on my terms and for my tastes and for my likes. 
that he is destroying the message of the gospel and the real clothes we're supposed to be wearing. He's insisting that his robes be, oh, what's my favorite color? My favorite color is blue. Jesus, I know you wanted to make them white as snow, but I would love to wear blue instead. That would be somebody who insists on my way in the congregation of God. And a Paul who would not bend to Corinthians who weren't ready to support him in the gospel and say, no, if you don't support me, I'm out. He didn't have treasure here. In love for his Lord, motivated by that love, Paul poured it, he emptied himself, and he received the culture in the calling of those around him. So I want you to think about the cultures that are around you. You have cultures at work and to become all things for all people at work means I'm not going to walk around and be like this self-righteous Christian with my nose held a little bit higher you know, the other people who swear like that or do this on the weekends and I'm going to kind of rub it in your faces, the moral decisions that you made and that's your, that's your mess and you get to live in it. I'm not going to give a holier-than-thou, better-than-thou vibe. I'm going to state the opposite, that I am not better in any way whatsoever I am just as stained, just as dead, just as messy as anyone on this planet by nature. If it wasn't for my God from God and light from light who came down from heaven for us and for our salvation in my creed 24 times a year, I would have nothing to give to the world, nothing to be in it. So let me be that at work. Let me recognize that when I think I'm better than my two-year-old and that they know nothing. I can't believe you act like that. Or the teenager who's struggling with this or that identity part of their life. Let me not be so big that I can't stoop down to help. Let me not be so great in my own head that I don't share the weakness of those around me. My dear brothers and sisters, I hope you're catching a flavor of what it is to be a blank slate molded and shaped by the people in your life where they are the ones who you constrain my love. You tell me where to take a left turn and where to take a right as far as how to love you that for the sake of the gospel we would build a relationship and we would have one that would deepen with experiences together because I joined your community and I got to know you even though there were some things about you I know were wrong with scripture, like there's things about me that are so off with God so that together we might share in something else we have in common. A God from God and light from light. Can you believe he did this? Who came down for us and for our salvation. My brothers and sisters in Christ, it's here in the words. It's here in the word of God, the pattern of Paul that follows the footsteps of Jesus that you see a mold for your life. It is going to dare you and challenge you for the rest of your life to cast all things aside 
and to pour yourself out into people. People who will mold and shape and teach you how you need to love them if you're going to be in their world. Meet them where they're at so that Jesus can meet them where they're at. To be deep in their life so that Jesus can be deep in their life. God grant that for us as a congregation. God grant that for you as a Christian in this world that we might remain light in his name and salt of the earth and win for the gospel until he comes again. Amen.